All right, welcome to the conversation. We got an amazing show for you guys tonight. Uh, we're going to start with two powerhouses, uh, Reverend Dr. Barber uh, and Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris. They are co-chairs of the uh, Poor People's Campaign. Uh, they do Moral Mondays together. Now they're taking uh, action uh, to motivate Manchin, McConnell, Biden, and the rest of them to actually do something about voting rights. I want to welcome both of them back to the show. Uh, great to have you guys. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Um, absolutely. Reverend Theo Harris is also the author, by the way. I, I love this. I like saying it every time. Uh, always with us, what Jesus really said about the poor. Uh, Reverend Theo Harris, I assume that he was talking about the prosperity gospel and and the poor should be taken off of food stamps and, and unemployment. They just stayed on there too long. That's what Jesus said, right? Uh, not at all. From <laughs> to Revelation, there's a, a clear uh, message, um, and what Jesus particularly has in his message is, is the the uh, canceling of debts, the raising of wages, the lifting from the bottom, so everybody can rise. And so, we our theology is is all messed up, but but uh, there are people uh, like the Poor People's Campaign that are rising up to to challenge that heretical well, theology. You were born to study theology. Your name starts with Theo. Um, <laughs> so, all right, Reverend Barber, uh, I'm, I'm also pretty sure that uh, Jesus uh, uh, wouldn't have protected the filibuster, or at least cared about it. Uh, <laughs> but, but that's the excuse that people like uh, Senator Manchin have, have been using to block things like voting rights. Now, it looks like there's a little bit of movement on that. I want to ask you about that. Um, but before we get there about the latest compromise proposals, I'm very curious what you guys think about that. I also want to talk about how you're uh, using people power to pressure Manchin and the others in this direction. So tell us about the march you did uh, this Monday on Manchin's office in West Virginia. Well, thank you very much. And uh, you're exactly right. Uh, there are plenty of scriptures that really speak against holding up what is right, uh, because you want to pay attention to some rules that are not in, rooted in justice. You know, we were invited back to West Virginia by, by mountain people from the hood, from the hollows and the mountains and the hoods in the city, black and white. And they showed up by the hundreds. They said, we are sick and tired of Manchin saying he's doing this because he's a senator from West Virginia. 79% of West Virginians want the For the People Act as it is and the restoration of the For the People Act. 81% uh, of Democrats, 76% uh, of Republicans. So they wanted to speak out, and they did. And he didn't really move until after that. those hundreds of people showed up at his door on this past Monday. And then the next day, he says, he, he backs up, he says, well, I didn't really say I wouldn't ever vote against the For the People's Act, and, 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 he be, and, and I'm not sure I wouldn't ever change the filibuster. Because Manchin has never faced that. That's one of the things we know in this in this country. He's never faced his own constituency. And we're trying to say to other leaders, you can meet with him all you want, one-on-one. -on -one. He's nice. He'll be nice. You know, he was a college quarterback. He thinks he's smooth. But you have to get the people, the impact the people. And so when he saw minors standing with teachers, standing with black preachers, he saw white women, uh, low-wage workers, standing with low-wage workers or black people, that, that caused him to tremor. And in some way, now I'm not saying he's fully changed, but that's what it's going to take. And we went there, I want you to know, because the people asked, they are sick of it. They are saying, this is not what we sent him to Washington to do. Uh, and they know this. 
The attack on voting rights is not Jim Crow. It's James Crow Esquire today. It's an attack on everybody. It's an attack on black people and women and white people and brown people and indigenous and young people. And fundamentally, it's an attack on poor people because poor people need two things that they don't need anything else. Voting rights and living wages. They have to have those two things in a democracy to have a chance to battle against the kind of political tyranny that we're seeing today all over the country. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think uh, Reverend Barber and Reverend Theo Harris are, are the leading lights uh, in this country when it comes to these moral issues. And, and, and there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, one is uh, they actually take action. And so they just they don't just talk to talk. They literally walk the walk. And uh, and when a lot of people are looking to compromise and do play politics and talk about people's egos, you guys uh, talk in a very clear way. And and it's really appreciated. So, Reverend Theo Harris, let me go to, to the next step of the action. Uh, what are you all going to do uh, with your and, and by the way, the other reason why I appreciate you guys is you're about the only people in the country talking about poor people. Uh, I mean, both Democrats and Republicans barely remember the middle class, let alone poor. Um, And so, Reverend Theo Harris, let's talk about next Wednesday. What's the next step uh, in in actually taking action to force accountability? Well, I I really appreciate this question. I mean, in the United States right now, now, there are 140 million people who are poor or one small emergency away from poverty. And, and it's it's people from amongst that 140 million from West Virginia, from Kentucky, who have now said, we need to go to Washington, D.C. and keep the pressure on Manchin, McConnell, and all of our lawmakers and say, we need voting rights. Um, we need to expand them. We need living wages. We need to have this filibuster stop blocking infrastructure and healthcare and all the programs that will lift the 140 million um, people up. And so on Wednesday at one o'clock in the afternoon, uh, people will will be taking action together in Washington, D.C., uh, near Manchin and, and McConnell's offices, making sure that it is clear that what is happening is not standing for what the people of West Virginia want, what the people of Kentucky want, and and what the 140 million people who are poor and low income in this country need. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna ask you for a website here because if you're a TYT viewer and you care about bringing positive change in the world, these are the two folks you need to help most. So if you're in Kentucky, you're in West Virginia, or you're anywhere near Washington, D.C., go join them. Because look, the the mansion moving some people think oh he got caught on the phone call uh, with the big donors and stuff but he had actually already moved before that became public uh he moved after uh the march on monday i don't know for a fact that that's what moved him but it might be <laughs> and it's the best shot we got and it actually they did the march and then he moved so when they see people with their own eyes it makes a big big difference so reverend theo harris one more thing how can people help where, where do they go to find out where to march so there is a, a page on the Poor People's Campaign website. So www.poorpeoplescampaign.org. Um, and, and right on the front, you'll find a landing page that will take you straight to all of the details about Wednesday's action. It's June 23rd, 1 p.m. There are buses going from from all states uh, pretty close, including West Virginia, Kentucky, and, and uh, we you know, we're, we're going to see a, a large number of folks from those states who have said we have to defend this democracy. 
you know, sometimes I see people, uh, you know, I see the movies and the documentaries and et cetera about uh, the civil rights movement. And you see the folks in Selma with all that courage, et cetera. And sometimes I, I wish I could be there, right? Well, good news for you guys watching out there. You can be there. You can do it right now. Uh, and you can do it for voting rights just like they did for voting rights. Okay. And and the good news is this time they don't have dogs to sick on you, et cetera. They, you just, generally, they just put the powerful uh, to try to talk you down, right? But don't let them do that. Get up and fight. So, Reverend Barbara, obviously, I'm curious. Uh, and by the way, we'll put the link down below if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook. Okay. Uh, and, and you can just click on it. So, Reverend Barbara, I'm curious what you think of the new uh, compromise. So, uh, Stacey Abrams has said, yeah, we can live with it. Uh, it. It ends gerrymandering. It protects voting rights. But they do get rid of uh, matching funds, campaign finance reform, some of the anti-corruption measures that were in the For the People Act. Can you live with that compromise or no? Well, I think the question of the people say no, because here's the, here's the problem. A true compromise has to come when you have two groups of people who first believe there's a problem. They just are compromising on how to, to solve the problem. The problem is don't believe you have a problem. And what Manchin has done, what the, first of all, a number of the things are not even compromised. They were already there. And then what he's putting out there would just actually be reversed. The, the, the compromise he suggested on the Voting Rights Act would basically end preclearance. Uh, the compromise he's talking about with the For the People's Act would install and instill photo, I mean, voter ID. Now, interestingly enough, Stacey Abrams on a tweet last night stepped back some and said, she said it was a beginning point, but she said it was a long ways to go. And she sent that tweet out intentionally. Here's what I believe and we believe. First of all, why are we compromising with an unconstitutional position? A filibuster is unconstitutional. Voting rights is constitutional. The 15th Amendment is constitutional. The 14th Amendment, equal protection under the law is constitutional. So why, how are those two things morally equal or constitutionally equal? First, secondly, we're not, we, you can't compromise, as I said, with people who don't even believe there is a problem and are already actively doing everything they can to undermine uh, the very thing that you're trying to expand. And then thirdly, we should not say we agree with any compromise until what is put on the table is vetted by the best voting rights lawyers in the country, those that have been in the struggle. And they look at everything based on how it would affect black people, brown people, indigenous people, Asian people, poor, low wealth, white people, young folk, and the disabled. Then lastly, um, um, when we talk about this business of trying to so-called uh, compromise, he's not. he hadn't said he would move to filibuster. So it doesn't matter what he does. So why would you go down? And he hasn't said he would end the filibuster because if you if you try to pass it and you can't get past the filibuster now, the next time you bring the bill up, you're going to start with the lower bill, the compromise. You're not going to start with the idea. What John Lewis wrote in the For the People Act and the Voting Rights Act that's still being written is okay as it is. We need an all-out fight on that. And we do not need Manchin of all people. Who's he listening to? Who, who suggested this stuff? Where did he get it from? He didn't sit down and talk with voting rights laws. And he certainly didn't talk to poor, low-wealth, white, and black people in his own state. He didn't do any of that. He's just throwing a, a bunch of stuff against the wall. But it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any difference. Because what is he saying? I'm going to hold on to the filibuster regardless. It doesn't matter. If the, if the democracy is falling apart, I believe the filibuster is most important. That's ultimately ridiculous.
Reverend Theoras, I got to ask you one last quick question. I mean, if it turns out at the end of all these compromises, he says, just kidding, uh, uh, I see you still need 10 Republican votes. So all the compromises for, were for nothing because I'm not getting rid of the filibuster. Uh, how dispiriting is that for people? Uh, how much of a betrayal of their voters is th does that become for the Democratic Party? Well, I think in West Virginia, for instance, it's it's not just the Democrats, it's the Republicans who are saying we need to expand these voting rights. And mm -hmm. so what we know is that that it's a betrayal of the Republican and the Democratic Party if we do not protect, we if we do not you know, reinstate that preclearance. And if we don't expand, we need to build this democracy up. And, and, and that's, it will be a betrayal of the nation and of our constitutional principles. Um, and that's why people will keep on organizing. All right. Uh, the two, uh, among the two top moral leaders in the country, Reverend William Barber, Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris, uh, they, they, these are not the folks asking for private jets uh, for their flock. These are the folks that are fighting for you tooth and nail, no matter what, and no matter what pressure they get. Join them, join them. Go out there, uh, fight for your rights. That's the most American thing you can do. Uh, Reverends, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Blessings to you, forward together, not one step back. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Now we're going to talk to Harvard Law Professor Larry Lessig. Um, and we just talked to Reverend William Barber and uh, Reverend Liz Theo Harris. They're uh, fighting in the streets to make sure that uh, we maintain voting rights. And uh, Professor Lessig is, is among the folks uh, that they referred to. They said, why won't Manchin and the others uh, talk to uh, voting rights experts on this issue? Well, well, uh, Professor Lessig is one of the top voting rights experts um, and pretty much wrote uh, the matching funds provision in the For the People Act. So, uh, Professor Lessig, great to have you back. Great to be here, Cenk. Okay, so let's dive right in. Uh, there's now a new compromise uh, it, seemingly uh, between um, Joe Manchin and Stacey Abrams. Uh, Stacey Abrams, of course, not in Congress. And, uh, and, and this is a compromise within the Democratic Party, so it's already curious. Um, you, normally, you're supposed to pretend to compromise with the other party. Um, but uh, but uh, tell us, for the folks uninitiated, uh, what are the parts they took out of the original For the People Act? Well, I mean, let's emphasize something really important first. Uh, last week, everybody said the For the People Act was dead because Joe Manchin said he was never going to support any bill that was a one-party partisan bill. He's now moved from that position, and that's incredibly important. And he's moved to a proposal that basically has a list of modifications to the For the People Act. From my perspective, the most important modification is removing the small dollar matching fund system. But as well, he's cut out um, some of the Voting Rights Act provisions, He's also removed the modifications to the completely broken FEC um, and, and a couple other tiny changes, which he's insisting on for reasons that are kind of unclear. But what this should signal to everybody is that this is a negotiation that's happening. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of steps between now and the end of this game to figure out whether we can get to a position that actually un unifies the party enough to get over the filibuster block. You know, there's another uh, lesson that comes out of it. Uh, I just realized as you were making that point, um, which is that 
apparently the thing that bothers Manchin and what I would call other corporate Democrats, and as we found out in a phone call recently, the donors themselves, is the small donor matching fund provision that you champion. Apparently that's the one thing that, that they say, because they didn't take out the Disclose Act. So that was really interesting. He's saying, but I cannot have small dollar donations matching the big dollars because that's a third rail for, for their donors. Well, you know, the donors are saying that. And what's important is Manchin has not yet said this. And there's a really important bit of ironic history here that I think is going to play a really big role. Senator Byrd, the former West Virginia senator, sort of lion of the Senate, was an extremely important proponent of small dollar matching funds. In 1988, he made his last stand to try to get small dollar matching funds passed through the Senate. And Manchin has historically pointed to Byrd as an inspiration for him on this. So Manchin has not yet himself ruled out the idea of smaller dollar matching funds, but it's clear the big donors hate it because what they love is knowing that they can walk into a room with checks the equivalent of $50,000 for every member of Congress. And those members of Congress salivate over that money because they know if they can get $50,000 from one guy, they're not going to have to spend five hours or 10 hours calling 30 people to raise the same amount of money in smaller donations. So the big money is going to resist this. Um, but I think in the, in the end, the fight is going to be whether Joe Manchin can be inspired to follow a really great senator from New West Virginia, who actually I think is the most important champion for the idea of small dollar matching funds in Congress's history. Professor Lessig, it, it, they didn't make this deal within the Democratic Party if they're not going to get rid of the filibuster, right? I mean, even the Democrats can't be that incompetent. I mean, if they go and vote on this and then the, Manchin says, ah, I'm just kidding, we're going to still keep the filibuster, this would be entirely pointless. Well, I don't think we're resolved. I don't think they're resolved. I think Manchin, in his heart of heart, thinks that he's going to be able to persuade Republicans to join him. And, um, and then the question is when he fails at that, because it's clear the Republican Party has thumbed their nose at Joe Manchin, said, you know, you've got to be kidding, because they understand their strategy. Their strategy is to suppress the votes in the states and to gerrymander in the states to make sure that they win, even if they don't have more support than um, the Democrats. So they understand their game. Joe Manchin doesn't yet get that they understand their game. And so I think that we're seeing Manchin move to a position where it's going to be hard for him, certainly, to walk back from some sort of compromise. But when he sees the Republicans are not willing to do anything for him, I think he's going to be willing to do something that makes sure that we see a fundamental reform pass. The only question for me, the really important question, is whether it's reform that helps not just the Democratic Party, but also helps democracy itself. I mean, it's pretty telling. Joe Manchin is willing to compromise on his no partisanship principle in order to defend his party, and God bless him, I think he should. The question is whether he will also allow for a bill that doesn't protect the insiders, which is what removing small dollar public funding will do, and, and, and instead enables outsiders, more outsiders, to be able to run for Congress without sucking up to the richest people in America to support their campaigns. 
Yes. Uh, well, you've got more hope than I do. Uh, not that they're not going to pass a bill. I, I think that it would be political suicide of the Democrats not to fix voting rights and gerrymandering. Um, it's handing an unreal advantage and, a, uh, and an unearned one uh, to the Republicans. Um, so I, I'm, quote unquote, hopeful on that. But Manchin, I don't think is 1% honest. No, I, I don't think. I mean, I, that would be if he's really waiting for 10 Republicans to vote against their party on the core voting rights issue, which would cost them seats, I can't imagine anyone would be that stupid. Uh, that's that's just well, preposterous. Stupid is one word. Aspirational is another. But look what you said. You said you're confident a bill will be passed. Last week, every single pundit was saying, there is no bill that's going to be passed. So we should recognize this is extraordinary progress. You're right, there will be a bill passed. And now we just have to fight to make sure it's the bill that has everything we need to reform this democracy against the influence of big money in politics. So, you know, and I say that, but with an asterisk, and I've said that from day one, as you know, you and I talked about this before, I think a bill is gonna pass, but it's not gonna have the anti-corruption parts. That's almost exactly where we are right now. Uh, and, but the asterisk is Kristen Sinema, not Joe Manchin. Uh, she she might still ruin this entire process. So let, let's see how that plays out. But I got to ask you the, the most important question. This so-called compromise, they take out basically the provision you have championed all along, the small dollar matching funds. It, but they have all these other really important provisions, ending gerrymandering, et cetera. Is that a good enough compromise? Would you counsel people to vote yes? Well, I would not counsel people to give up yet. Um, you know, there's movement, and we ought to be fighting for the most important parts. And the most important parts include small dollar public funding. And if we don't get that, then this system will continue to be controlled by big money insiders. Everybody knows that. That's why the big money insiders are pushing to get rid of small dollar funding. And I think we still have important champions. You know, uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi is not going to give this up without a huge fight, at least in Congress. Forget the Senate for a second. And then in the Senate, we need Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren to stand up and say, we will not support something that doesn't have small dollar public funding in it. They need to begin making this push right now so that Joe Manchin or whoever is pushing Joe Manchin doesn't have the ability to dislodge what in my view, in our view, because we've been talking about this for a hundred years now, our view is the most important change to make sure we can begin to liberate our government from the influence of big money. So Professor Lessing, the, the question really there is, how do we do it? Because you and I have a only, we do have a slight difference. Uh, I don't believe Pelosi and Schumer or Biden are on the level. So I've never believed that they were in favor of the, the anti-corruption parts of this bill. I've always believed they were going to take it out. Um, but uh, on the other hand, you have such a compelling point if somebody were to pick up that mantle, which is the part they're taking out is actually the most popular part of the bill yeah. and the most bipartisan part of the bill, right? In terms of the voters, not the politicians, right? So who do you who do you think can pick up that mantle and how do they pick it up to make that campaign and do it in a hurry and do it publicly to put enough pressure on to be able to put it back in the bill? Look, I, you might be right about Schumer, and I'm not sure about Joe Biden, although if he remembers his early days, he'll remember he was a big pro proponent of public funding from the start. 
But I absolutely believe Nancy Pelosi 100% thinks this is her legacy, changing the way campaigns are funded. So all that has to happen, in my view, is a champion in the Senate. Joe Biden needs to be pushed by somebody in the Senate. So we need Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren to step up and pick up this mantle and say, this must be in that bill. And if that happens, when that bill passes, I think it'll be part of it. Well, look, I got to tell you, if anybody else told me to trust Pelosi on an issue, I, <laughs> I would laugh him out of the building. Uh, but I, I trust you uh, wholeheartedly. So, uh, you know, and but it doesn't really matter because the only thing that matters is are Pelosi and Sanders and Warren going to do it or aren't they? Right. Are they going to push for it and are they going to win? I, I've seen uh, the media call Nancy Pelosi a master legislator hundreds of times. Well, this is the time. This is it. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, I, I might be her biggest skeptic, right? Certainly on the left. Uh, and if she were to pass this small dollar matching funds and pass the Disclose Act in its entirety, I would say hats off. It turns out she was a master legislator. And, and this, this actually does make her legacy because she raised all of this large donor money her whole career, right? But if at the end, as she's leaving, she changes the system, right. well, that, that would make all the difference. Right. It's Lyndon Baines Johnson for public funding. I mean, Lyndon That's Baines exactly. Johnson, goddess civil rights. Who would have thought a Southern Texan senator would have gotten a civil rights? Same thing. Nancy Pelosi, the biggest fundraiser. Let, us, let her get us a system that is not corrupt. And I agree, that would be her legacy. All right. And by the way, we're also putting have a petition to pressure folks to make sure there's a vote on this. So tyt.com slash petitions, and that'll be in the link down below. Uh, Professor Lessig, as always, uh, great to have you on. Thanks, Chang.